This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. The journey that most of us face in our lives and the choices that we have and the signs and the signals that are always there, sometimes we choose to ignore because it's more convenient to live in the paradigm that we've created for ourselves. So you'll find, as sort of life goes on, that the signs and the signals to put you back on your path get louder and louder if you don't pay attention. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, Go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. In the not-so-distant future, uh, when someone is able, using nanotechnology, to cure diseases, things like blindness, for example, well, that day is coming. In fact, it may be fast approaching. It's also the subject of a book by my guest, Maximilian Pereira, born in London, England, educated at Bancroft School, where his love of the written word was inspired by his English teacher, Maximilian studied film at York University here in Toronto, where he currently resides, and uh, he is the author of Second Sight. Maximilian, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Richard. Great to be on. Pleasure to have you. How did you get uh, involved or interested in uh, in nanotechnology? 
I would say it, it's the widget that is necessary for the book. There were other subjects that I wanted to address within the uh, the book, and that's what I needed to to get the job done without giving anything away, of course. And do you, are you a, are you a sort of a, an, an amateur scientist? Do you have a, a sort of a technical I, technical understanding of how nanotechnology works? I did some research uh, into nanotechnology, but I, I would say I'm, I'm more of an avid science fiction fan. So. <laughs> Um, I, I try to keep as, as, as vague as possible uh, when I deal with the science because obviously I don't want to have any flaws in the book. But, um, you know, I did research. I believe the first um, series about nanotechnology were in the 50s in, J- in uh, the University of Japan or something like that. So uh, we're, we're getting there, clearly, um, as a society right now. But um, I, it, was, it was more or less a widget. Right, right, and, uh, and a great premise to be sure. And you, you, right. you mentioned science fiction, and, and as you as you also noted, science is quickly uh, catching up. I was reading recently uh, about how uh, nanotechnology. Uh, I guess the first step is they're looking at creating certain proteins which could reverse uh, cataracts. So, right. and, and there are people. Obviously, that's one of the number one causes of blindness in the world. Cataracts, and uh, so that may be, you know, the first, the first uh, type of blindness that's conquered uh, using nanotechnology was uh, developed or being developed. I actually believe they're, oh. they're in, in, in England right now. Um, they're very, very close to actually getting that technology. I, I saw like a little ticker tape, like a headline on News Now the other day, and you know, I'm like, okay, when I started writing this book, it, it's a science fiction novel. It's not something that I anticipated happening within my lifetime, or at least not this soon. But, you know, as with many other things in our society, technology is really advancing at an exponential rate. Right. Well, let's give people a sense of uh, sort of a thumbnail sketch of what happens in the book. I mean, it is uh, entitled Second, or titled, rather, titled Second Sight. And uh, you have this brilliant young scientist who, as we say, develops the nanotechnology to to cure blindness. Tell us a little bit more. Well, the the question is, is that we, um, as as a a human being, we, we see... Um, less than 1% of the electromagnetic spectrum, which makes us virtually blind. Um, so the question is, is what, if, if you could use technology to enhance the eye, what else would that technology see? We are conditioned from children. You know, for example, you, you, you know, child, you know, Christmas is, uh, you have Santa Claus and that's your reality. And then you grow up and, and you're educated at school and then that's your reality. And as you get older, you discover new realities, uh, whether it be through religion or, or science or what have you. So we have a personal bias. We have, we have filters in, in the way that we actually look at the world around us. But technology doesn't have that. So it would observe what's out there in the same way that, you know, an X-ray scanner doesn't say, well, I can't see that because I'm not supposed to. It, it, it's easy because it's programmed to. So that's the premise of the book. What else would this technology see um, without that social bias? It's a, it's a great concept. It's almost uh, a, a metaphor, this, this blindness for, uh, I guess, cleansing or opening of the, 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 uh, the third eye and the pineal gland. Exactly, exactly. And there's also something else. I mean, I... I've, observed, I've had my fair share of experiences with the paranormal and what have you, um, but one of the, the real catalysts for, for writing this book was um, there's a shelter downtown, and uh, you know, I used to walk down to Country Street, and I'd, on several occasions I observed this woman 
just hurling abuse at somebody or something or someone across the road at this that, this church that I've never seen opened. Now, personally, when I walked past this church, it always gave me the heebie-jeebies. My, my hair was standing in. I didn't like walking past it at night. But I was like, what, what is this woman seeing? And is, is she crazy? Or, or are we perceiving people to be crazy because they actually see things that we can't? And I, and I, I thought maybe, maybe she could see something. I mean, she was very vehement in her in her attack on whoever she was shouting at across the street, right? So that sort of got me thinking. You know, you start looking at things like um, animal ESP, like how is it a dog can go to the front door and wait for its master when the car's, you know, a mile away? Like, what what do they see? What do they know? Um, as a human, the human species is 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 relatively feeble when it comes to survival on this planet. As compared to our, you know, fellow animals, these guys can see at night, and, and and we can't, right? So all of these things got me thinking about what's actually out there, you know, what happens if people aren't actually mad? What happens if they can actually see and hear things that the majority of us, who conform to societal norms, um, can't see, basically? Maximilian, you mentioned that you've had some paranormal uh, encounters that may have perhaps uh, motivated you to write this, yeah, inspired you to write this book. Can we talk a little bit about about what you saw or what you think you saw? Um, Well, one, uh, you know, I grew up um, just on the sort of edge of East London um, in in what's known as the the Greenbelt in Epping Forest, near Epping Forest. And and this place is reputed to be very, very haunted. Anyway, um, I was coming back one night um, from a pub and... um, there was a woman standing across the road. Uh, it's just a, a small road, two two lanes, one each way. And uh, she walked across the road to me and asked me if I knew where there was a hotel. So I said, oh, yeah, you know, there's uh, the, the Roebuck Inn's just down the road. I'm walking that way. Um, I'll show you. So we got walking and talking, and I, I, uh, I said to her, where have you been tonight? Thinking she's probably at a bar or something. And uh, just to give you an idea, it's very, very quiet. It's late at night. There's not a car in sight. There's lots of forest around um, with a few houses behind trees and what have you. And uh, we're walking, and I, and I said, you know, where, where have you been tonight? She said, oh, oh, at the Mayfield. And the Mayfield was a what I thought was a, was a high-end abortion clinic, so I didn't ask any more questions. Uh-huh. Anyway, so as we were walking, I sort of realized that I'm walking with a strange woman towards what you can only see as forest. I know that there are roads that go off behind the trees, right. but she's a stranger and she doesn't know. So I said, okay, I said, you see where that phone box is? As soon as you get there, you'll see a sign, and that's where the roadblock is. So I tried to cross the road, and I'd look back to point and show her the direction of the road, and she was gone. Mm. Absolutely gone. And there was nowhere for her to go. The only place she could have done is jump over some five-foot bushes into the front garden of someone's house, and I would have heard that and seen it. And I looked both ways up and down the street, right. and then I think I broke the land speed record that <laughs> night and ran back home. <laughs> right? Um, and funny enough, um, two years ago, a friend of mine was visiting me from London, and he said that a friend of his had a cab and picked up a woman at the same spot who <laughs> asked her to go in the general direction towards Loughton or what have you, which is the, you know, the same direction I was walking in. Right. And she disappeared in Ooh, the back seat dear. of his car. Oh, I never, never told my friend this. He told me this, and this happened, well, um, over 20 years ago with me. So... Um, that was that was a shocker for me because here I am walking and talking with someone. Do I concede the possibility that she was very stealth and hid behind a bush? Possibly, but I know what I felt. I know what I saw. And and uh, now 
looking back, do you remember anything? I mean, at the time, you just thought it was a, a you know, a, a normal, perfectly normal human being. Uh, but then, in light of what happened, do you recall anything unusual about the way she looked? Her dress, um, her, her skin? I mean, she was, I, I didn't pay too much attention. Um, she was fairly well dressed. I remember that. Um, you know, wearing heels, um, heels on yeah, that time of night. Yeah, I, I, there's not, Nothing that was out of the ordinary at the time. And that's really another thing as well. She's wearing heels. How could she have jumped anywhere? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, I, you know, obviously I had a few at the pub, so I was more interested in just getting home. But yeah, that was, that was one major event in my life. And there are other, you know, uh, smaller events where you, you can feel presences, you know, um, around you and uh, you know that the hair stand up on your on your arms and on the back of your neck and you go okay what's that and why do we do that you know why do humans have that sort of um, autonomic response right so what's actually there what can't we see right right I, I mean I've always wondered I've had one paranormal experience in my life um, and I won't bore you with it I've told the story many times on the radio but it's um, it involved seeing my doppelganger just after my uh, my father was laid to rest wow but that's sort of the, the, the long story short but um, other than that I mean I'm, I'm probably one of the least intuitive people I've never seen a UFO I've never I've never seen what I would call a ghost right uh, and I've always wondered you know the people that do uh, are their brains somehow wired differently? Does it have to do with their pineal gland? Is mine so calcified, you know, that I'm I'm not I'm not able to see these things? What you, do you think you it know is? What? It's it's interesting. I think that um, I think that basically it depends on it, your brain. As you get older, your brain becomes hardwired, right? And so you have to you have to have major shifts in 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 in, in, in knowledge or consciousness to, to to really look at the world differently. Um, intellectually, we can obviously do that, but on, on a sort of spiritual um, feeling level, uh, I think certain experiences can shift you in a certain way to be more open to receiving information. Um, I, I, I started, I mean, I, I grew up as a, as a, as a Christian, um, and I wouldn't say a devout Christian, I've been to church a few times, and my parents were Christian, but again, not devout. Um, but when I, I went to to see the Vatican at 13 years of age, and it, and it just completely rocked me. Um, I, I sort of looked around, I said, you know, these guys can solve world hunger in a heartbeat. There's, there's so much opulence here. And it, and it started making me question what my reality was. And I was lucky a year later, I got to go and see the pyramids and go and see the birthplace of Christ. And that was a hugely informative and eye-opening um, trip for me. So I, I started to look at the world in a different place. And I've always been fascinated with the paranormal, and I can I can take that back to um, a TV series that used to be on uh, in England on the BBC called uh, Arthur C. Clarke and His World of Strange Powers, and that fascinated me as a kid. So maybe I was just more open to it. And also growing up in in London, uh, you know, very old society, ghosts uh, ghosts come with the territory, right? <laughs> so. Right, right, absolutely. Um- in the book, the uh, the scientist who who creates this technology, nanotechnology to cure blindness, uh, mm-hmm. obviously becomes, you know, wrapped up in a lot of um, subterfuge and intrigue and betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, which is another kind of interesting metaphor because, you know, the uh, the idea for those with eyes to uh, to see uh, uh, and those who 
who search for the truth and and see things sort of the way they are, and are, you know uh, the uh, the old emperor has no clothes right. bit, often are targeted uh, for persecution. Is is that sort of the? Am I sort of going in the right direction in terms of the the metaphor that you were working there? Um, the, the protagonist's um, journey is a very personal one, and it, I, I try to speak to. Um, the, the, the trials and tribulations that, that most people have in their lives. You know, we, you know, Star Wars being the obvious, you know, you choose between the light and the dark side and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think Joseph Campbell said there are only nine human stories, right? So you don't really stray too much far off of that. So um, what I was trying to do with the protagonist is basically show the journey that most of us face in our lives and the choices that we have and the signs and the signals that are always there. But sometimes we choose to ignore because it's more convenient to live in the paradigm that we've created for ourselves. So you'll find, I think, as, as, as sort of life goes on, that the signs and the signals to put you back on your path get louder and louder if you don't pay attention. And that's the sort of personal journey that I really wanted to explore with this character. Just speaking generally about nanotechnology uh, for mm-hmm. a moment, uh, obviously radical nanotechnology is, is sort of tied up with the whole idea of transhumanism and... and mm-hmm. Using technology to extend dramatically extend life, perhaps even uh, a quest for immortality. Do you, how do you feel about the transhumanist movement? Um, do, do, do you see any? Are there any red flags there for you? Uh, massive, massive red flags. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's like the um, you know the fear a number of years ago, you know, in, in certain conspiracy circles that the the agenda was to microchip the population. Uh, you know, and then it's the, the, the soft tiptoe, you know, like the, you know, microchip your pets. Uh, the military soldiers are getting uh, microchipped and uh, microchip your children so they can't get lost. And you know, it gets in through the back door, but no one's asking the question: If you can track this this device, can you not therefore program it? And so, I think if if you start putting it, the human the human brain is already so susceptible to to, to marketing and and, and su- suggestion. If you put technology on top of that. Um, then what's the point of the human experience? Because someone else with nefarious intent could more than likely program that person. All right. So I think that there are massive um, red flags in, in maintaining someone, uh, one, one's autonomy um, and, and freedom, um, spiritual freedom with um, doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for... Um, you know, say so, you know, you replace a hip or something like that, put a metal hip in or whatever the case may be, and you you, you help someone in, in in that way with their health. But um, when you start using this kind of technology, especially as I think as a species, we're not that mature as yet. We're still we're still killing each other left, right, and center across the planet. So when you start um, introducing these game-changing technologies, the, there always seems to be the tendency to then use it to subjugate another set of human beings. So I don't think we've evolved enough yet as a species, or grown up enough, I should say, to, to start messing around with stuff like that. I've um, had um, occasion to interview a, a gentleman, an author by the name of Jim Elvich, on the program a number of times. And, and this is not his theory, but the, he has sort of borrowing from other thinkers in this arena the idea that we are living in a digital simulation, <laughs> you know, the matrix. Uh, and he talks about technology um, where you could bypass the optic nerve 
Uh, and, uh, for example, I mean, you know, he uses, uh, sort of John Madden's NFL video game to sort of track the, the progress of the technology. And it's true. If you look at, say, John Madden's, it's yeah. almost impossible to tell the difference now between that video game and reality. And think about where we'll be in five years. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's frightening. Um, I mean, I've, uh, I've seen the, the change in the sort of the, the, the young generation. I mean, everyone's plugged in. You sit on the subway, everyone is plugged in. It's 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 very rare that you see someone reading a book, um, and it, it's uh, you know what happens. I mean, you've got film like films like um, Surrogates and and, um, and obviously The Matrix. Yeah, I mean, what happens if someone does <laughs> sit in a cubicle for a few days and, and live in an alternate world? I mean, I've I've, I've had friends who um, I, I don't know the names of the video games, but you know you, you you create all of these worlds and you play with people all around the world. And they just sit in their rooms for days playing this alternate reality. And like, the reality is right outside your door. What are you doing? You know, each to their own. But, yes, it is very frightening. I mean, according to David Icke, um, Ike, um, he, he believes that we, uh, we live in a holographic universe. And this is a holographic simulation that has been programmed. Right. And uh, very likely. <laughs> right. Right. And then imagine that, that they could, they, whoever they are, the designers of this holographic uh, reality, they could bypass our optic nerve. And so what we think we're seeing, what we think we are perceiving, what we think is reality, uh, is all being programmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are the, the theories that uh, the planes that crashed into the uh, the twin towers were actually holograms, right? And they weren't actually real. And the, and the, and the, the towers blew up from the inside out. Right. I mean, who knows um, where we are really technologically? I mean, there was a guy uh, called Leo Zagami. He claimed to be uh, ex-Illuminati. And he said that the, the, the governments right now, or the Western governments, especially America, they're like a thousand years ahead uh, technologically from what we actually see out there. So who knows? It could be true. I mean, it, it could be that our, our, our reality is being completely manipulated. And, and that's one of the things I want to address in the book is, by who? Uh, because if you look at our society, um, we're sort of spun this tale that we're these half apes that have evolved and are somehow stumbling through evolution, trying to figure it out with an economy and some religion. And, and it, it, the whole story doesn't really make sense. You know, every year new governments get elected, nothing really gets changed and you know poor people stay poor and it's the same as it has been for the, the hindu life. wheel of life right and and and, and it, it seems a bit tiresome for, for a so-called um intelligent species so could it be that we are being deliberately um sort of held in this matrix so to speak uh, and then the question becomes why um you know why? What 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 purpose would that serve to have a, a, a sleeping population? And why um, is it that anybody that steps up and says, "Hey, by the way, I don't I don't think this is right," and, you know, the the avatars of the age you step up and 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 try and show us that there's a greater reality that um, um, there's a better way. These people get killed relatively quickly, right? Exactly. Very quickly. So, what do the powers that be fear? And if they fear, then why are we fearing? <laughs> right? Maybe we should just open our eyes and take a look at what's around us. Maximilian Pereira is uh, my guest, and the book is Second Sight, and uh, it addresses a number of interesting issues. 
a brilliant young scientist who develops the nanotechnology to cure blindness. We'll come back and uh, continue this conversation right after this. Stay with us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Reduce stress and enhance your immune system. ESS60 from C60 Evo. C60 is the carbon 60 molecule known to deliver more than 172 times the power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS60 is the purest form of C60, a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that works. ESS60 neutralizes free radicals from cell metabolization and external toxins to help minimize inflammation and maximize detoxification. Further, people report better sleep, more energy, and renewed mental clarity when they take our ESS60 organic oil. To order your miracle molecule ESS60, click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes for this podcast or go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. C- c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Buy now and save 10% by using the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Again, use the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Uh, back to our conversation with Maximilian Pereira. Uh, the book is Second Sight. And um, uh, talking about the, the, the use of tech- nanotechnology to cure blindness... And uh, this particular scientist who discovers this cure falls into a world of, uh, of intrigue and betrayal. I mean, you can imagine uh, the, uh, the elites of this world, whoever they are, um, the archons that are controlling this little blue marble, how upset they would be if suddenly uh, we could see things as they truly are. I suppose uh, short of using nanotechnology, and this is a, you know, a technology that may not be available to, to many or most of us, there's also uh, ayahuasca, which uh, you know has, has been proven to open certain doors as well. Have, have you ever done any research on ayahuasca? Um, I, I, I understand that that was the um, route that started uh, David Icke's journey. Um, oh, is that right? I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> back in the 1980s. I think he he had he's going through a, a bad 
time in his life or something, and he went down to uh, South America and he and he did the ritual, and that that just opened him up um, to, to to his path in life. Um, I also have a friend that has recently um, done it, um, and uh, we we talk briefly. I mean, it's 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 a very sacred uh, ritual, so obviously you couldn't discuss too many things, but he um, he uh, sort of played me some music that he's created it's pretty fantastic so um i i am aware of i am aware of it yes i interviewed uh a dr charles groban uh a grobe rather uh at the ucla medical center who was using uh a synthetic form of of magic mushrooms or sort of psilocybin Mm-hmm. Uh, which was being used to ease end-of-life anxiety in, in terminally ill cancer patients, and I, and I even talked to some of the patients. Uh, same sort of thing. I mean, a, a, a profound spiritual um, uh, experience they had, while, and, and it did. It just wiped out all fear of death. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very liberating kind of effect. I mean... Uh, it, you, are you, you know, are you aware of um, are you aware of a uh, Dr. Michael Newton PhD? Doctor, I'm sorry, Michael. Michael Michael Newton. Michael Newton. PhD. No, no. He wrote a book called um, Journey of Souls, and uh, I, I found again, you know, with regards to death and, and perception of reality, this was a major consciousness shifter for me. Um, this book, he 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 did past or he does past life regressions. But he became curious uh, to find out um, what happens between lives. He said, okay, you know, if, if someone's reincarnated in the 1800s and comes back in the mid-60s, what happened in the time in between? And he delved into this whole other world and, and, and really sort of looks at what or what who we are as spiritual beings on what we would call the other side. And... Um, it seems that we have the choice when we come here, or we choose to come here. It, it's very much a university or a school, and that's why we come here. So going back to what you were saying about the uh, the guy at UCLA um, using the, the synthetic drugs to ease the, the, the fear, why do we have that fear? Why is there that fear of death? Um, and, and it's instilled in us um, from, from, from birth. Why is why is there constant fear instilled in our in, in every society? Well, it's a wonderfully it's controlling. It's a controlling mechanism for sure. Exactly right. So why? I mean, obviously, no one wants to die in a horrible way, but every account um, that that you, uh, you you read about, you know, past in past life regressions, there's very little pain for the most part. People once they're gonna die, they they pass on. It's, it's relatively quick. Um, and, and loved ones are immediately there to support you, you know, unless bad things have happened. But um, so, why the fear? Any uh, thoughts of turning Second Sight into a book, Max? Uh, or, sorry, turning the book into a film? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> when when uh, when the editor was going through the book, uh, she said to me, she said, uh, "It looks like this is designed to be a movie." So she put all the section breaks in to make it a lot easier for for a treatment. So yes, absolutely, uh, there are some discussions, uh, some preliminary discussions that have taken place. So I'm waiting to hear back from some people. But yeah, that that was the uh, the main aim is to get it either as a television series or uh, or as a movie. Um, I mean. My primary objective with this book is not only to, to 
entertain, but to, to let people ask questions. Just, you know, do your own research, basically. Ask questions. Say, hey, what if? You know? Um, and then come to your own conclusions. Because I think if, if, we, if we sort of just look at the, the daily news and accept that as our reality, then uh, um, consciousness, is, consciousness is not going to shift too quickly. Uh, we were talking about the pineal gland or the third eye, yep. uh, the, the brow chakra. It's said that um, uh, the cannabis, marijuana, can uh, can activate the uh, help turn on the third eye or the mind's eye, if you will. How much of the prohibition of of marijuana and, and, and other uh, drugs do you think is is connected to sort of the elites not wanting us to wake up? Probably a lot of it. I mean, a lot of drugs are, are dangerous, but I think with regards to um, marijuana or you know using hemp in, in particular, the fact is that you, you can grow it everywhere. So anyone could be a farmer, so to speak, and so that makes it very hard to control the supply, and therefore very hard to tax it and make money from it. So I think you know governments seem to be this uh, intermediary body that protects the elite from us and 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 you know <laughs> keeps us in our in our rightful place so um i can't speak to whether marijuana can do that for the pineal gland um but clearly you know the the u.s military were that were experimenting with lsd in the 60s and and and, and stuff like that so they know that this stuff opens up a new doorway for us so would they want to keep that away from us? Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, th- I think a lot of it is down to, uh, with marijuana, I think it's down to the, the, the control of supply and the ability to make money off of it. We were talking earlier about uh, the paranormal, and you, you shared with us one of your paranormal encounters. And uh, I, I have a number of paranormal researchers on the program, people like Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who's a full-time uh, investigator, researcher, written over 60 books, some of the major wow. encyclopedic works on the subject. And she talks to me about, uh, frequently about what she perceives as this this thinning of the veil between uh, you know this dimension and, and others. And I'm wondering... Uh, you know, and, and, and she's doing this. She's part of this major survey on on paranormal experiences, and uh, uh, she perceives that there is again this thinning of the veil. More and more people are having paranormal experiences, whether it's seeing UFOs, whether it's seeing ghosts, whether it's remembering past lives. What do you think is happening here? Um, I think that we are coming to the end of uh, the great year. Or <laughs> Is it 26,000 years is the great year? We're, we're uh, finishing a massive cycle. Um, you know, the Mayan calendar wasn't the end of time. It's the end of this cycle. Um, I, you know, I think was it Plato that talked about the golden age of men when we lived for uh, 900 years and we spoke to the animals. Um, there's also the Book of Enoch that, you know, Enoch lived for three, 400 years or something like right, that. So, right. so, you know, after Atlantis, it would seem that there was the fall of man. There was some kind of dimensional shift. There was the fall of man, and we, we came down into the third dimension. So I think what's happening is, is a natural um, um, progression back into the fifth dimension. And, you know, just like the salmon swim back to their home uh, at the end of every cycle, we're trying to get back home, which is to a, to a, a more loving and higher frequency, a higher vibrational state, uh, closer to the source or God or whatever you want to call that entity so it's quite feasible that the powers that be that 
have made their home in this third dimension want to stay here and and still be kings of the castle because you know in the fifth dimension things uh move a lot quicker and and there's just love uh, and no fear or hatred so their use would would be uh, scuppered so um i think that's what's happening i hope that's what's happening um and if you if you sort of look back 20 years or so um even this the discussion of any of these subject matters people have thought you were crazy and and and, and out to lunch or you know taking some kind of drug but it's it's coming into uh the general paradigm right now that that what we've been told the nature of reality is is not what it is at all and it's up to people i think to to discover their own reality or their own personal reality and it's their responsibility really as opposed to just being passengers on the planet we're all co-creating this this story and and the question is why and then to what end i think to drive the species back to where it belongs, which is a, a, a more divine existence. Well, if we go back uh, 3,000 years, you know, to the, the time of the, the Old Testament uh, before, the, you know, we were, we were communing with, with angels, uh, exactly. uh, prophets, uh, you know, speaking directly with God, the age of miracles. So do you think we're getting back to that time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Things can happen in different ways. Yes, technology plays a part in it, but um, you know, there's there's there are healers out there that are that are doing doing miracles right now. I mean, I you know I, I haven't seen a doctor in years, and I don't need to. Like, I go to homeopathic healing. I have people that don't even put their hands on me if you you know get hurt playing a soccer game or something, and they heal you. It's, is that a miracle, or is it just using the energy, or someone who understands how to to manipulate that energy field around the body? Um, do we really understand? the nature with which we live in, um, within which we live in, because, you know, we're the only species on the planet that requires clothes. So do we, are we actually native to this planet is, is a question. And, and uh, are, we, are we hostile to this planet? You know, I think we have to look at our place on the planet as well. So, um, and, and, and sort of uh, balance out, so to speak, and, and, and live in more harmony with, with our surroundings and our, and our fellow creatures on the planet. You mentioned uh, a paranormal experience. You said that was kind of the major one when you saw this, what appeared to be a ghost, mm-hmm. uh, walking along uh, in, in East London, this forested region of East London. What? what uh, you've had others, though. Can you share any of those with me? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> there, there, were, there were quite a few sightings uh, at my fraternity house here in Toronto. Um, one time, three of us were sitting in the living room, looking in three different directions and all three of us heard someone walking down the back steps of the house and i turned to look and saw a shadow my friend was looking directly at it saying you know i won't use the expletive did you see that and we all ran to where we heard someone walk down the steps and no one was there i've seen shadows in, in that house um one of um i my, my father died 10 years ago and the night that he died i could not sleep and um, when I was finally falling asleep, I felt someone touch my hand, and it woke me up. And I got the phone call about 10 minutes later that he died. So, you know, that was one. I, I saw um, my grandmother standing at the end of my bed before, two weeks before she died. Um, same thing with my grandfather. Um, so I've, I've, I've seen lots of things like that. Um, um, and, and more often it's feelings as well, um, real uneasiness in certain places. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's been a few, um, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you've had more than your share, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, how about UFOs? Ever see, had, had a sighting? Um, the only thing I'll say is I was, uh, I was in East London in a place called Stratford at my, my great aunt's place, and she lived, I think, about on the 13th floor. So from that vantage point, you could look out um, across northeast London to the hills where Woodford and Buckerfield, where I lived, were. And I saw what looked like, you know, your traditional sort of saucer-shaped vehicle slowly moving across where the hills were. I mean, this is, you know, a good 10, 15 miles away. So it could be anything. could have been a, 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 blue, a, a hot air balloon or whatever the case may be. But this is at night time and it was glowing. Um, anyway, my aunt and I observed it for about, I'd say, five, six minutes. And I thought nothing more of it until I read the local newspapers and local people have, have reported seeing a UFO. So I'm like, well, if I'm looking from East London out this way and I thought it was a UFO, if people are looking directly up at it, maybe it's a UFO. But of course, you know, the Royal Air Force said no, 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 it was, it was a balloon or, you know, the, the usual military cover-up. Right, exactly. Swamp gas. Yeah, uh, exactly. The I mean, light from a distant lighthouse. Exactly. You know what you my, saw. My, my great aunt, God rest her soul, she was, uh, she was born in 1910 and she said, oh, that does look funny, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the, the typical uh, British stoicism. Right. Uh, yes. Oh, isn't that an odd little thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just give us a, uh, without giving too much away, in the book Second Sight, um, give us a little sense of what what uh, the, these patients that undergo this this nanotechnology treatment and cure their blindness what what some of them see. Wow. Okay. Without giving too much away, um, that's a tough one. Um, I would say that it would challenge your views um, or challenge or confirm your views about uh, religious beliefs, if you can imagine that you know. Uh, Oh, I said that's a tough one, Richard. That's all right. No, well, let's, we'll leave it at that. It'll challenge yeah. your religious beliefs. It will challenge your religious beliefs or confirm them. <laughs> all right. And, um, yeah. So, where can people get a, a copy of Second Sight? Uh, you can get it anywhere. You can get it, uh, well, here in Canada, obviously, Chapters in Indigo, um, Amazon.com, obviously. Uh, if you go to my website, um, www.maximilianperera.com, um, you, there are various links that you can go through. Like, so for example, if you're in England, you can you can buy from Author House UK. In United States, you can buy from Barnes and Noble. It's available world worldwide. And how, what's the reaction to the book been been like? Uh, really, really positive. All five star reviews so far. Excellent. Let me uh, yeah. spell the website: maximilianperera.com. That's M A X I M I L I A N. Maximilian, and then Pereira. P is in Peter. E R. E-I-R-A, MaximilianPereira.com. Max, thanks so much for this. I really enjoyed our conversation. Richard, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. Second Sight, Maximilian Pereira. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.